Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode number 26 of the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media. And look who I found. <laughs> he is back. He is Phillies reliever, Archie Bradley. It is good to see you, my friend. How have you been? I've been good. Um, been grinding. You know, uh, this was my first year going on the DL, or I guess it's the IL now, since my rookie year. So a uh, little foreign territory for me. Um, had to really lock it in. And uh, yeah, we're back now. So, so it's good to be back. I'm healthy and, and trying to get riding and get going. Yeah, no. Well, listen, a lot of people missed you. Um, and and what I, I guess I didn't tell them as much because I wanted to respect your privacy was that you were having a hard time with, with the injury. You, you texted me early on that, hey, this is only the second time I've ever had to deal with an injury. And it's got to suck when you are joining a new team and you want to make a good impression. And out of the gate, you're like, oh, my God, really something something blew out here. How tough was it for you emotionally to deal with that? Um, it, it was really tough. Um, I think as you know me, Chris, and as some of the, the fans on this have gotten to know me, I'm a very outspoken, loud teammate, loud person in general. And so when you get hurt early on um, and you're, you're counted on to be a guy for a team, and, and personally I expect myself to be a guy for this team, and now I'm sitting on the sidelines and um, – you know, I was texting everyone I knew that had ever dealt with an oblique issue, asking them how long it took, what they felt, advice, and everything I got back was, man, don't rush, don't rush. And and I was still feeling these symptoms. I got sick when I had it. I started coughing and sneezing, which just kind of set me back another week um, in my injury. And so it was it was probably tougher on me mentally more than it was physically. Um, and to your point, yeah, I'm, I'm a new guy here. I want to make an impact. I want to prove my worth and my value. And now I'm on the shelf. And so that was that was tough for me. And I imagine it was really tough because you were brought in to be part of the Band-Aid for a, a big-time problem with the Phillies a year ago, and that was their bullpen. And then when you were lost and some guys weren't performing, it's got to be a helpless feeling out there, is it not? Yeah, and there was, there was a lot of innings that I watched go by that, you know, not saying I'm the best pitcher in the world, but those were probably my innings or, or situations I was brought here to help, you know, pitch in. And, you know, I'm, I'm just watching from inside. And with, with COVID rules now and stuff, it's not like the normal, you know, IL where you can just go in the dugout and you can be a part of everything. You kind of get like blacklisted almost, like put on, you know, like, hey, don't be around everyone else. You're hurt. You can't play and these COVID rules. So just kind of stay out of the way as much as you can. And for a guy like me, that's, that's very tough on me mentally because I, I like to be so involved and I like to be so loud. And when you're hurt, you have to really tone things down a little bit in the clubhouse. You can't be um, as loud as you normally are. So who'd you share that frustration with? Was it your, your fiance? Was it somebody else that you were, relied on a mentor in this business where you're like man this is really eating at me yeah I mean definitely my fiance Reagan is is huge in that um I try not to express a lot of those frustrations at the field because I try to as much as I can be the same guy and be the same energy and and continue to put out the same vibes that I always do but like I said you do have to take a step back and look at okay I am hurt I'm not playing and I've been on the other side where you're, you're healthy and there's a guy that's like 
doing a lot when he's hurt and you're like, Hey man, chill the fuck out. Like you're injured. You know what I mean? Like you aren't even playing right now. Like it's, it's not like you think less of that person, but you're not, you're not helping the team. You're not out there, you know, on the field playing. And so you have to, you have to not necessarily reinvent yourself, but for me, it was, let's take a step back. Let's, let's evaluate everything I'm doing and let's figure out the best plan for me going forward, both to get healthy and to still help this team, even though I'm, I'm a hurt right now. So eventually you get healthy. They send you down to Lehigh Valley. Yeah. And so what was that experience like to be back in the in the minors for a little while? I mean, you knew Man. it was just a rehab stint, but was it kind of cool or weird or what was it? It, it, it was both. Um, mostly fun, honestly. Like, um, I think there's a special thing about guys grinding to get back to the big leagues. And it was cool because those guys didn't play last year. Like majority of those guys that were in AAA didn't play a season last year. So they were very fired up. They were very excited to be playing baseball again. And then, yeah, I mean, for me, same thing. I was on my way back, um, back in AAA for the first time since 2016. Um, and it, it was crazy, man. I mean, not to to dumb down or talk shit on minor league baseball, but wow. Like, you know, just from a, a normal day, like from food to the weight room, um, I mean, you're sharing a roommate on the road. I mean, I didn't have a roommate on the road. I had my own room, but just little things that, um, maybe you forget or, or don't realize that you have to be doing when you're back in AAA. And, uh, it was an adjustment for sure. Does it make you appreciate the show a little bit more? Oh my gosh, man. I mean, fuck dude, we're, we're so catered to and so spoiled. And, and I, I always like moments like that where you get to kind of humble yourself and, understand you know how great we have it as big league players and understand I mean not that I ever did but I definitely am not taking anything for granted especially with the injury but then also you just see you know you forget the grind and and and, and the things you went through to get to the big leagues and then you get here and it's you know it's the show man you're you're basically open hand handed everything and so it was nice to be back down there get some some better perspective on on my career my life in general and and spend some time there with the guys, man. I had a really fun time in AAA. There's just things there like the locker room, man, is, is smaller than my hotel room there. You know, so you're you're forced to interact with guys and you're forced to do things. And I think sometimes at the big league level, we get too cool for things. And you don't see that at AAA. Guys aren't too cool for things. You know, guys are excited and ready to go. And, and it gave me, a, like I said, a new perspective on how to come back and even – bring new energy and new life to our team here. Well, I know you only, you only had a couple of relief outings down there, but I'm curious, do you re remember like what travel was like, what it is like for, for food? Like, did it stir up those memories? And if so, oh, you, yeah, yeah. Fill it, fill our audience in. on like, I mean, what the big differences are. Well, first off, I mean, depending on where you are, if it's close enough, you're going to bus. Like they're going to save the money. They're not going to fly you. You're going to get on a bus and you're going to drive. Um, the second is, yeah, you have roommates in, in, in the hotel, whereas the big leagues, you get your own room in every city. So now you have a roommate and then, um, fuck, dude, let's just start uniforms. Like, you know, Nike's Nike's testing these new unis out and, and the minor league guys are all the, the test dummies. And so, yeah, I mean, to be honest, the uniforms were shit to start. You know, you you don't get your custom pants. You don't have your name in the pants. You don't have your numbers. And, and you start there. And then, yeah, you're used to showing up to the field. And there's a buffet of 
any food you can imagine, healthy food, Latin food, um, whatever. And instead you're getting your boxed Panera turkey sandwich. And then, you know, you're not getting another meal until after BP. And there's just so many different variables. Sometimes the food is there late. Sometimes it's there early. Um, and it's, it's never fresh, I guess is the word to say it's, it's been sitting in a, a heater, um, or it's this just boxed meal. And it, it you know, again, it, a lot of people think we're spoiled. We are spoiled as big leaders, but in AAA, it's, Hey, here's your one meal. Like there's not another option. The, the chef isn't going to go make you something on the grill. The clubby isn't going to go run to Shake Shack and grab you a burger. Here's your dried pork rice and terrible cauliflower. And that's your meal for the day. <laughs> and then, yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You were going to say, uh, uh, and, and then you, you go to the, the weight room, like you're used to, you know, having your, your locker room, all this space, the big training, big weight room. And then you find out, uh, uh, at least where I was at in Scranton, which no disrespect to Scranton, beautiful stadium, beautiful place in the Pocono mountains, but the food room and the weight room are, uh, the same room in Scranton for, for AAA players. What? Yeah. Yes. So imagine, yeah, walking into a room, there was a, a fridge, like a, a gas station fridge with your waters, um, not uh, not branded waters either. Like whatever the local brand water there was, was the water we got, um, which sounds funny, but you know, we're used to Fiji's and smart waters, and like all these things. And so now you're like, man, what is this? Is this spring water? I don't even know what this is right now. But yeah, the, the food room and the weight room are combined. So where, where the food, where you got your food, where the bananas, the snacks, like literally five feet over was the dumbbells, the benches. Um, and, and when I say weight room, it was a makeshift weight room, like no rubber floors. We brought all our own equipment, all our own bands. And, and it was, it truly is like the grind, man. Like that's what I appreciated most about it was like, to get here, like one, you have to play well, but you have to, you have to go out of your way to really be a professional, to eat right, to work out right, and to make the most of, of the situation and what you're given and understand that there's a reason guys get out of there and you have to, you have to set yourself apart and be different than just the average guy down there. So I, I forget like the affiliations now, cause it changes all the time. What is Lehigh Valley? For them, is that triple A or is it double A or yeah, Lehigh Valley is triple A for the Phils. Okay, so I don't know it's if it's guys always have... been triple A, but I, I think that's that's what it is now. So it's it's guys that have been to the show or guys that are knocking on the door. Sometimes I know that's changed a lot. It's guys are going from double A right to the show. Um, but were there guys there that were like, dude, Archie Bradley's here? <laughs> yeah, there's a few. And since I'm you know, that's another thing. I don't know, I don't know the minor league system here. We're in Arizona. You know, I knew a lot of the guys in the minors. I knew the prospects coming up. I knew who the guys were. Right but here, I don't. I don't know a lot of the guys, and and a lot of them weren't in major league spring training this year. So right. it was a whole new new cast of guys that I I got to know in a you know short ten days. But yeah, you know, and then typically um, for the fans that don't know, listening when you get sent down on the rehab assignment, um, depending on how many games you play or how many days you there, you buy full meals for the whole team. Um, because as I stated earlier, you know, the, the food isn't as good or it's not even mm -hmm. close to as good as in the big league. So you buy a spread, you buy a dinner spread, a lunch spread. And uh, yeah, I bought a few spreads for the, for the guys down there, took care of them, some good food, um, which is a big morale booster, man. Like that's a big deal. When a big yes, it comes is. in, 
literally that's one of the first thoughts when I was in the minor leagues, like when a big leaguer is in, it's like, oof, we're eating good tonight, boys. Like we're going to, we're going to get some good food while, while so-and-so's here. So I took care of the guys, man. I bought, I bought more spreads than I was than like the quota is to buy. I made sure I took care of the guys and, and sent them off, you know, some good food. Well, that's what you got to do. I mean, it's, it's passing it on, man. That's, that's what it's about. So was there a guy when you were coming up through the Arizona system that guys that got sent down, you were like, dude, I can't believe he's here. Oh yeah. Uh, Cody Ross. I remember was my first big one. Good one. Uh, in Visalia. Yeah. Cody Ross came down and I remember it was so cool because well, one Cody Ross, I mean, he's coming off the world series stuff with the giants. Um, and then, yeah, you know, he's in Visalia, California. Um, I think I was 21 yet. I honestly don't know, but I remember having a few beers with Cody in the clubhouse. I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, I'm drinking a beer with Cody Ross right now. Like world <laughs> series freaking, you know, this guy is, is the man. And dude, the one thing I'll, I'll always remember about rehab assignments for most big leaguers is they stink. Like majority. I bet if you looked at the, if you put the stats of every major league player on a rehab assignment, they're a below average player in rehab. And so I wanted to make sure I, I, I at least had one good outing. So I had one clean inning on, on rehab. And then I also did give up a run in one of my AAA starts. But I never see guys just dominate when they're coming back. Like, sometimes you see a guy get called back to the big leagues from a rehab assignment. And you're like, dude, this guy didn't get a hit down here. Like, this guy didn't even get out. So how is he? And then he goes back up and he's, he's hitting homers the next day. And you're like, I don't understand this at all. Well, there, there was one guy who dominated on his rehab stint, and that was uh, a guy you're a fan of, Jacob DeGrom, who was sent down to, I think it was low A, uh, and th those poor Cardinal kids had to try and hit 102. I saw that video, and, and it's, I mean, the guy is incredible. Like, I, I try to watch as much of his stuff as I can. Um, I actually, because we have Zach Wheeler, um, and Wheels and, and DeGrom are boys, um, you know, as I've told you before, I'm a fan of guys and you never know uh, how guys take that and, and, and how guys want to react. So the Grom comes out in the outfield to talk to Wheeler. So, of course, I'm like, oh, I'm going to make myself a part of this conversation. You know, let me jog over here. And so I just casually asked the Grom one day, like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Like, like, give me something, you know, like for real. And like I was actually very impressed. Uh, he just kind of started talking and we just kind of spent probably 30, 40 minutes in the outfield going over, maybe not 30, 40. It was, it was mixed between baseball talk and life. You know, Wheeler was, they were, they were kind of catching up, but also, you know, we kind of started talking some pitching and um, not that I do anything different, but I will say DeGrom has a very, he understands what he's doing very well. And, and he had a lot of cool things to say. And I really appreciated a lot of things he said. Um, and, and it's cool. You know, I, I like, I like when you can talk to guys on different teams, especially division rival and kind of share knowledge, you know, give, give tips and pointers and, and understand that in a way we're, we're all trying to do the same thing. Yes. We're trying to win and beat the Mets and win our division, but at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to be the best baseball player we can. And when there's a guy who is exceptionally head above heels at the top of his game above everyone, like why would I not want to pick his brain and try to mm -hmm. get some little information that I could, you know, bring to me and, and help myself out. And, but could you imagine, by the way, being a 19 year old kid that had to try and hit him on the rehab assignment? <laughs> but you know what though? That'd be it cool. almost, like, 
it's right? almost better to, I mean, sometimes striking out in one of those situations is almost cooler. Like as weird as that sounds like, yes, getting a hit would be great. But dude, even as those, like, dude, I got, I, like you're calling your dad, dude, Jacob DeGrom struck me out tonight. Like, that's so cool. Like, um, and yeah, I mean, the guy's throwing 100, 102. Like, look at his fastball velocity average over the last four or five seasons, and it's going up every single year. It's incredible. 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 He's ridiculous. Archie, you think he's a Hall of Famer? Uh, yeah, I, I say yes. I mean, as I was stating earlier, um, I think that we have to understand that that the Hall of Fame statistics have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you take a look at what used to qualify a starter or a player for the Hall of Fame, um, you have to – I don't know if saying scale back those numbers is the right word, but you have to reevaluate and, and understand in this game, in this era, what what those numbers look like to be a Hall of Famer. And I would say with what he's doing, um, I don't want to short him. I think he's won two Cy Youngs, maybe three. I know it's back-to-back, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I would say if, if he continues his pace for the next three, four years, like you have to you have to put him in that, that category. I mean, he is doing – stuff personally that I've never seen like his first start against us I think he went through the whole lineup like he didn't throw anything but a fastball until the fourth inning which is like you don't see that in the big leagues like that stuff you see in triple a or in the minors when a guy's working on something but you don't see a big league player just straight up say hey here's fastballs and it's funny when I got to talk to him in the outfield like I was saying earlier I asked him about that I was like yo the other day you threw against us and you just threw all fastballs. He's like, yeah, you know, mechanically, I just, I, I didn't feel right uh, with, with my slider and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> so you're just throwing a hundred mile an hour heaters because you didn't feel good mechanically to throw anything else. Like, man, like, dude, let me touch you. Let me rub up against you. Like, give me, give me some of that. Because if I didn't feel that good and I could just throw a hundred by everyone, like, but yeah, I mean, I think I think if if Jacob continues along the pace he is, which from the looks of it, outside little stuff, he's not going to stop. Like, yeah, he's going to definitely be a Hall of Fame guy. I can only imagine. Like, do you guys talk about a dude like that? Or I don't know if you're in the bullpen already at that point, or if you spend the. What do you do? Do you spend the first few innings in there, or you? I, I go down there. I like to be down there with the guys. Okay. Uh, we play a lot of games. We get a lot of things going. Um, so. Yeah, I'm 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 in in the pen from the get go. All right. So when you're out there and a guy like DeGrom is on the mound, are you guys talking to each other about what he's doing because he is so special? Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, you can't help it. We we try to act like, oh, we're going to we're going to get him today, you know, but it's like, I mean, everyone knows DeGrom's on the mound and like the the way he throws, the way he attacks, the numbers he has. So, you know, going in to it it's like hey we really gotta gotta be on our game today but then he starts pitching and it's just you can't help but be a fan you can't help but appreciate and enjoy watching what he's doing because you know I I don't know like I've played against Clayton Kershaw for a long time and he's kind of you know before the ground like man this guy is just incredible but no one's doing it at Jacob's pace, like throwing a hundred, 101. And, and, and like I said earlier, his velo is getting better every year and he's getting older. Like typically, 
like myself, shit, like you start to see a decline and it's like, dude, this guy is throwing harder as he get into his thirties. And it's like, what is like, this is so much fun to watch. And, and yeah, I mean, we, we talk about it. We, we discuss his mechanics. We discuss his, his routine, his program. We watch the way he plays catch before he starts. I mean, I think everyone kind of is, is watching him to see like, what is he doing? How is he getting the results that he's getting, man? It's, it, I keep saying the word incredible, but it is incredible to watch. We will be right back to the Chris Rose rotation after this message from Cushy Dreams. You guys probably know Cushy. If you know Cushy Dreams, you're excited to hear about this. If you don't know Cushy Dreams, tune in. Cushy Dreams, we're in lockstep together. John Boy Media and Cushy Dreams. It is smokable CBD. Looks like weed. Smells like weed. It's not. It's 100% legal cbd they've got some relax they've got the hustle yeah you probably don't relate cbd with hustle it's got that side to it it's also has the relaxing side it's got the think if you really want to explore yourself they've got all of it it's great for anxiety it's great for stress you got a bum knee try out some cbd you're gonna like it we have gotten a lot of feedback from people that this was how they jumped in the CBD game and they're hooked. They love it. Cushy Dreams, they are the best. And if you get them with promo code ROSE, 20% off your next order. So it's not a first order, it's not a last order. If you're getting Cushy Dreams, promo code ROSE for 20% off. They've got the individual single serving pre-rolled Go check those out. There's video of us smoking those if you're into that kind of thing. Or, I mean, they just serve them. We got, I got one right here. I think me and BBD might be about to get our Cushy Dreams on right after this. Promo code ROSE, 20% off with Cushy Dreams. Go to their website, CushyDreams.com. Promo code ROSE, 20% off. Try it out. You're going to like it. Get it for a loved one. Someone that's got a bum ankle or something. Feel good. Hey, everybody. I know Father's Day is right around the corner, and you're probably thinking, my dad has everything. What does he need? He needs something from Dugout Mug. So go out and get it right now. You got the Dugout Mug. You can get it engraved with whatever you want. My kids, they already got a freebie here because it already says Chris Rose here. You got the wind up as well. You got the season opener for uh, Pop's favorite drink. And then you got the knob shots as well. Look at how cute that is. And oh, how much fun it is. So you go to dugoutmugs.com. Use the keyword rotation. That is rotation. And you'll get 35% off your order if you're one of the first 500 people. But if you're some of the next 500, don't worry. You'll get 30% off. The next 500 after that, get 25% off and so on and so on. I am here to save you money and get your father a great, great gift as well. So once again, that is dugoutmugs.com. Use the keyword rotation to save some cash and then pops will be drinking his favorite beverage. That's good. So you said you guys play games in the in the uh, bullpen. What's the best yeah. game? If I were invited oh, down, what's the best game I could be a part of? Um. So we try to do a lot of trivia. Um, David Hale, uh, Harvard, um, uh, you know, Ivy League guy. He likes, he started, uh, he'll bring questions down to the bullpen. 
um, ranging from like we did the other day, most homers hit by a Latin born player, um, one through 10. And we'll, you know, we'll go through and name them off. Uh, we did uh, top grossing movies the other day. Um, top, top grossing movies of all time. We did highest. Yeah. Of all time. Um, and then the next day we came back and he had a list. We did top grossing movies like through the alphabet, starting with a all the way to Z. Oh, well, so can, yeah. I'm going to ask you what was, I, I don't even know what the top grossing movie would that be. Um, would that be Titanic? I think, I think Avengers Endgame is the is oh. on the top right now. If I remember my trivia correctly, Titanic was was on there, um, but it's been it's been changed. I think it's been beaten thirteen times, eleven times, or something like that. Oh is gosh. what it is. But yeah, it's fun because uh, typically in the pen, um, for the fans that don't know or don't understand listening, um, you have you have your roles in the bullpen, and and usually the first three to four innings, you kind of have range to kind of be loose and free. Like, because the starter typically is going to pitch at least, you know, a couple innings. So those first few innings, the bullpen are kind of our joke around. Let's hang out, do trivia questions like that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, we've been, we've been really diving into, you know, exploring that and having some fun. And and it's a way um, for us to kind of relax for a little bit because, Mm -hmm. As a bullpen pitcher, there's very few days you come to the field where you can check out mentally. Like you have to be mentally ready to pitch every single day when you're down there. So to have a couple, you know, an hour or so to just check out and let your mind wander, talk about anything in the world, you know, it's nice to, to kind of get that relief. And then, okay, fourth, fifth inning hits, everyone starts loosening up, everyone gets their stretching going, and we get ready to do our job as a bullpen. All right. So who was the best? keep them loose guy that you've ever had in the bullpen back in your Arizona days? Is there a veteran that just knew how to hit the right Uh, notes? Yeah, Fernando Rodney. (laughs) I don't know if there's a more more loose guy. I mean, I I think I've talked about Rodney a few times on here. Um, But Fernando, man, he was – he's the best I've seen at being the most consistent guy. Um, Whether he gets a save, whether he blows a save, um, he's as loose and free and, and just the same consistent guy every single day. Fun. Oh, fun is an understatement. Um, you know, he speaks decent English and I think that's what makes it even more fun is sometimes you can't understand them. And Rodney is, I mean, again, an older guy and, and, and I mean, big dude, he is jacked and had a hell of a career. I mean, he got his 300 save with us in Arizona. Um, but he had this, he hated flying. He hated flying. And, uh, you know, he was veteran closer. So he sat at the very back of the plane, but he would make noises when the plane was taking off. Like as we were going down the runway and going up, he would start going. And everyone would look back and be like, what is going on? And it became this thing where the whole team would start doing it. So the plane would start taking off and the whole back of the plane, we would start, we would bump his walkout song and everyone would start like banging their seat to the walkout song. And then we would start making noises like Fernando did. (laughs) Dude, I, I, I I wish, I wish you, I wish like, that's one of those things. Like, um, 
I try to do a better job about it, about capturing moments, recording moments that in the big leagues and, and there's a time and place for everything, but that's one of those moments I wish I had recorded that you could pop up and show people because it's, it's one of those cool things that makes what we do so much fun is like you have this full plane of, of grown ass men banging their, their overhead compartments up in the air. We're taking our shirts off and screaming. It's just, it's part of the, of, of, of the fun, but Fernando man, like, um, I'll never forget back in 17, he blew back to back three run saves, which is like, I mean, blowing a three run save is, is tough, man. And you do back to back nights, like that's six runs in two nights. You know what I mean? That's, that's tough. And, and, um, slew of media is around them and they're interviewing them and <laughs> they asked him for Fernando, you know, you, you've blown back to back three run saves, you know, what, what do you think's going on? <laughs> he started laughing and he's like, guys, Sometimes it's really hard to get three outs, you know? And I was like, gosh, man, that's that's such a simple answer, but it's so true. Like, it's so true. It is it is so hard sometimes to just get three outs. And and he came down to the pin that day and he got a save that night. And it was like nothing ever happened. He he, he made the same noises. He was the same guy, the same routine. And I remember that and I was like, man, I hope that when I struggle or am I, if, I, if I'm not playing well, I hope I can be as consistent as Fernando was. Wow. Good stuff there, dude. Yeah. It's, I've always wanted to ask you guys this. Is there a difference between those ninth inning outs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to close some games in my career. And the nice, the nice, you know, it's kind of twofold. The nice part about closing is you know when you're going to pitch. That's the caveat to it. Like, that's the beauty thing about it. You know, save opportunities, you know that unless it's one of those, you're not going to throw. And if if it's not a save opportunity, usually it's the scheduled time to throw. Like, hey, you haven't pitched in seven or eight days. We're going to get you an inning in the fifth today. Or we're going to, you know, we're going to work you an inning today. But, yeah, I mean, it is without a doubt the toughest three outs in baseball, as they call it. And and we talk even more, even when you get two outs. Like, that, la the last out of the game is – is every emotion you can imagine fun, exciting, nerve wracking, but those last three outs are as difficult as they come. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Uh, let's focus a little bit big picture on your team and the division. It's been weird the first <laughs> quarter of the month. I mean, nobody has pulled away. Everybody is in this thing. First of all, do you scoreboard watch in May? Um, yes, but not, not with a ton of, of um i don't put a lot of weight into it okay. like you definitely scale yourself like okay we're two games back we're not 10 games back you know like that's kind of where you keep it but i've always said as i've learned um post all like all-star break is where i really start to to lock it in and turn stuff like that um because even now man like look at us harper jt dd segura myself Matt Joyce, um, I could go on and on about guys that have been in and out of the lineup and not playing, but you could do the same for the Mets. Mm -hmm. um, Conforto, uh, Nimmo, uh, Pilar, uh, you know, you can go to each team, the Braves, like everyone, everyone's getting injured, man. It seems like injuries are, are really, really big yep. this year. And so um, the, the biggest thing is that, that we're, we're still in it. And I say we're still in it, of course. I mean, it's May, but I've been on teams where we've been out of it in May. And so we scoreboard watch in terms of like, hey, we're playing this bad and we've been this injured and we're only two games back. 
You right. know, we're only two games back of our division right now. But it could come down to this. I really believe it. I think it, the pressure's on the, the five GMs in this division. I think whoever's willing to pull off a big trade could end up reaping the rewards. Am I off base? No, I, I completely agree. Um, that's where, you know, you try to stick to your lane. Like I try to just worry about pitching in, in the, the, the bullpen, but stop, but you, you're, you, yeah, you're no, thinking as, about it too. Just of, like the of course. fans. Yeah. As, as, as a team, as a player, I mean, you go through all like, man, what if we went and got another starter? You know, what if we, we backed, I mean, you look at the way wheels and Nola and Eflin are throwing, especially Wheeler. Um, and we, Wheeler's yeah. really on top of his game right now. And, you add another guy in there, or even for me, like, I don't care, dude. I, I want to win like a, another bullpen piece. Like, you totally. know, you can never have enough bullpen arms, uh, a righty bat off the bench. Um, you know, there's, depending on who you are, there's so many things you need. And so um, I think as we, we start to progress and as some of our injuries start to unfold and we figure out how long some of these guys are going to continue to be out, that's when you really start to realize like, okay, we're going to do something or we're not. Right. Well. But I agree. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, one player, I mean, for every team, but especially for us, one guy could really make a big difference. And even even that guy could just be someone getting healthy. But, you know, you look at how many games have we played? Close to 60? Are we at the 60-game market? No, you guys aren't there yet. Everybody's right around 50. We've played a majority of our games without our, our true starting lineup. No, I know. I mean, our – Harp has been in and out. DD's been in and out. JT's been in and out. Like we haven't been the team on paper that we were supposed to be. You know, no with question. The consistent guys. Yeah, you hear that a lot around baseball. It's it's been a weird, funky year, and we knew we were heading toward it because we had a two month season a year ago. And yep. So, uh, you guys avoided disaster the night Bryce Harper got hit in the face. Were you watching it live? Oh yeah. Yeah, that was uh. Unfortunately, I've been I've seen it a few times. Um, Chris Ionetta, I saw him him get hit right in the face. Christian Walker twice against the Dodgers. Um, and then Harp. Um, and even talking about it now, man, it, it makes your stomach hurt uh, because you never know what you're going to see when that guy gets up. Um, just like you saw with Pilar, you know, you see it and it's it's a heart stopping, gut wrenching moment where. One, is this guy going to be alive? Two, is he going to be deformed? Three, is he okay? Like, it's – I think every emotion in the world kind of goes through your head when you see it happen. Um, and so to see, for me, with Harp, to see him get up right away, walk off on his own. Um, he texts me back right away, too, which was nice. That's always – always feels good, and he has so much going on. But, yeah, man, scary. And then um, I, I think even – even worse than the injury itself is mentally what you have to deal with when you go through something like that. Like I personally went through it, um, getting hit in the face. And like I said, talking to, to Chris Ionetta, Christian Walker, and now even Harp, like mentally, dude, it's, it's a very tough thing to conquer and, and get over and be the same guy after getting hit like that. What about being the pitcher in that situation? Have you ever hit anybody in the face? Uh, no, I've hit a few guys in the head. Um, I've hit a few guys in the hand where, you know, you've broken their hand and you put them out for a couple weeks and, and same thing. Yeah. Like that's, I'm really glad you brought that up. Like from heart to Pilar, um, I mean, what class, like what, like how good of guys are, are these guys to, to text the other pitcher, to, to talk about it in an interview and almost 
make them feel better. You know, like, hey, you guys, like, I'm worried about you more than I'm worried about, like, Pilar. I remember specifically he's stitched up, his face is swollen, and he's talking to, I think it's Jacob Webb was his name, you know, like, hey, man, don't don't worry about this. Like, continue to pitch. Don't let this affect your career. And for me, I mean, I always had a ton of respect for Pilar and Harper, but, like, those guys just go up in my, my book. Like, you can tell those guys were raised the right way. They they are, are true baseball players to the core. But, yeah, I mean, as an opposing – as the pitcher who does that, um, yeah, you get you get shy too. You get scared. You, get, you don't want to go in. You don't want to throw a pitch where you could hit a guy in the face again or hit a guy in the hand. And and you realize from both sides that, man, I, I could have killed that guy possibly. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's a, a weird thing to think about, but – if you feel a baseball and you talk about hitting someone in the face or head, like in the right position, you could, you could hurt someone permanently. And that's, that's a scary thought. Like as much as we're tough and, and we want to fight and compete, like the last thing you want to do is, is hurt someone like that. And so that is also a huge mental hurdle hurdle from the other side to get back to that, that competitive of like, Hey, this is, this is part of it. You're going to hit guys and, and you got to deal with it. Because, I mean, the first rule of pitching, certainly at the level you're at, is if you can't pitch inside, you're not going to be here. And, no. Yeah, you have to wrestle with that once you live in there. I appreciate the perspective, and I'm sure our, our viewers and our listeners do as well. Uh, you are joining us from Miami, and Marlins manager Don Mattingly was asked about the fact that we've had, to this point, six no-hitters already in the first seven weeks of the season. And he was asked his opinion about it, good, bad, indifferent. I want you to give a listen and then react. It's great for that guy. It's a great accomplishment, right? Mm-hmm. But when there's so many so early, you know, strikeouts are at an all-time high, things like that. So it tells you that there are some issues within the game that, that need to be addressed. And they, they're, they're going to take a while. Sometimes it's unwatchable. You know, you see guys you talk to and they don't even like watching games because there's nothing that goes on in them. Yeah, I mean – same thing. We, we talk as players. Um, again, I, I don't want to take anything away from these guys throwing the no hitters because it is a I mean, to not give up a hit for nine innings is an incredible feat. I mean, I, you can't even do it in, in a high school game sometimes and you're the best pitcher in the world. Like, but um, yeah, it, I saw Cody Ross, I think we just talked about him earlier. He, he posted something after one of them was like, I remember when throwing a no hitter was a big deal. And I remember when it was super embarrassing as a team. And, like, I don't know if teams take it as that embarrassment anymore. Like, look at the the three teams that have been no-hit. We have three teams that have been no-hit twice. Like, and I don't think a team's ever been no-hit three times in a season. Yeah. And we have three teams that possibly could all three get no-hit again. And this is where, you know, I'm going to say this because I don't give a shit. But, like, look at it. The teams that aren't trying – like the teams that aren't aren't paying and aren't aren't competing are the teams getting no hit. And then I personally, I talk about this a lot, take the shift out of fucking baseball. Like I, I guarantee you, if the shift isn't involved in those games, there's at least one hit in one of those games. Mm-hmm. The shift has, I don't care about launch angle. I don't care about the sticky stuff. I don't care about any of this other shit that people, I think the shift has fundamentally changed the way we play baseball. Like, we shift everyone now. It doesn't matter if you're a power hitter, if you're a pull hitter, if you have some sort of tendency, we're going to shift you into position 
And of course, as pitchers, we get pissed every now and then you give up a shift beater, you beat a guy and he he hits it into the four hole where they're shifted, you know, on the left side of the infield. But um, forever, you talk about driving the ball up the middle of the field, staying through the baseball, hitting it up the middle. And that is no longer a base hit It is no longer a base hit. And, um, you know, I don't know if I would consider it the same as like telling a defense you can't play a certain coverage like in football, like, hey, you can't play cover one or you can't play man defense. Like, I don't want to put rules like that. But, yeah, we have gotten so analytical and so computer and so dialed in that the core value of the game is changing. The way the game is being played and, and, and everything is changing. And for me, I think it, it starts with a shift. I bet like that's why I'm super intrigued with the minor league uh the league that is, is taking away the shift. Like I really want to see the numbers from that league at the end of the year, batting averages, Mm -hmm. DRAs, everything, because I think if you were to go back to no shifts, like I don't know what the actual rule is, but if you had to keep two guys on the infield, if you want to put your second baseman in right field, you can still do that. You can still put them back there, but two guys have to stay on each side of second base. You can't have a guy cross over that middle line. Um, and for me, you know, that that's it. You're seeing, like Don said, like it is, it's tough to watch sometimes, man. Like even for, even me as a, as a, as a guy playing right now, like there's a lot of games where, I mean, guys are pissing on balls, but they're right to someone and it's cool, you know, when it's on your side, but it's also like, man, is this, is this the game we're supposed to be playing? Is this the way this game was intended to be played right now? And, I think Don's comments were spot on. Like I struggle sometimes with the value of the game and the product that we're putting out there because of some of these things we're doing. So I'll take it two steps further. One is I've never seen better athleticism on the diamond. I think our players are off the charts. Great. Particularly the guys that are 25 and younger, just guys we haven't seen with this sort of ability, but what the shift has done is it's taken away the running element of the sport. Running meaning chasing down balls, having two great relays to make a play at home, having guys try to score from first on a double. Like, it's taken all of that stuff away. I love that part of the game, and I think it would be incredible to watch these guys be... Like, to me, the lost part of Shohei Otani's game that is amazing is his ability to run. Like, I've seen that guy haul ass down the first baseline. I was like... I haven't seen him run from first to home enough. Like I want to see as a guy that's six, five, two forty do that. And I mean, everything like you want to see guys steal, you want to, and now I do because of shifts and yeah, but now because of shifts and numbers, like, Hey, you stealing is a bad thing because if you get caught, you're taking the bat out of whoever's yep. at late, which I understand there's a time and place for that. But I think as a whole, we have to take a step back and, and understand what was this game built on? Like, yes, there's always going to be changes, And I think you and I have talked about this before, like the technology aspect of the game is always going to be the battle that we're going to have to fight going forward. How much technology do we want to integrate and let be a part of the game? But, you know, like um, let's talk strike zone, like the robo bump, right? Mm -hmm. Like for me, I'm okay with throwing a pitch in the zone and getting called a ball and then me throwing a pitch a little bit out of the zone and getting called a strike. I'm okay with that human error. I'm okay with, a guy getting rung up on a pitch that costs us a game as weird as that sounds and going back and looking at it and be like, motherfucker, that was a ball. Like that should have scored the game winning run. Like this is bullshit. Like, 
But in a weird way, I'm okay with that because that's that's what I know. That's what this game is based upon. Like the umpires, as much as we talk shit on them and, and all that stuff, they're actually really good, man. Like if you think about like, I don't know, not many people have sat behind a catcher and watched a guy throw 99 on the black and you have to determine in a split second if it's a ball or a strike. Mm-hmm. Um, but those guys do a pretty damn good job, man. They're, they're really good at what they do. As much as we, we, we talk shit and, and give them shit. I agree. They're really, really good. And I'm okay with that human aspect, human error part of the game. But now because of these, the technology, the rules, like the fundamental basis of the game is, is changing. What's valued in players? Like you talk about these young guys are great, but we're even limiting them. Well, you can't hit lefties because you're a lefty. Well, why? Like in that in that part of the game, like you you stack your lineup. You know, there's a lefty in the game. Like, yeah, I'm still gonna play my lefty because he's the best lefty bat we have, and I don't care that a lefty's on the mound today. Now in Double A, you're not getting bats off left-handed pitchers because you know in the big leagues they're gonna play a righty that day, so you don't need to hit today, and you, you just see how they're changing the game, even, even coming up, you know, guys, guys are getting less of bats. Guys aren't facing guys. Even me now, like there's been a few times like throughout my career over the past few years where I get pulled for a lefty to come in to face a lefty. And I'm like, motherfucker, what, like what? Like my splits are good. I get lefties out, but that's the game. Now they want that lefty on lefty matchup. And, and there's a lot, man. Like, I'm sure if you're, if, if Don was to continue talking, he would bring up a lot of things that you and I both would continue to agree upon with. I don't know if we want to say what's wrong with the game, but what we need to fix and get right. Yeah. I think that you have to, I mean, you can love something like we, we both love the sport, but realize that it has its flaws and it has to improve in our, in our opinion, to make it more watchable. I don't think there's a question about that. That's where Um, I really hope, um, Theo steps up, you know, I really, I really enjoyed what he had to say when he stepped down and took his new role with major league baseball and openly admitted that myself and and all of us analytical guys have changed baseball. Mm -hmm. And if, 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 if I personally talk about Theo and the rest of us don't do something to fix it, we're, we're in trouble here. And I think we're naive to not actually open our eyes and agree with that. And collectively as a sport, not just teams, but all of us in baseball come together and figure out how we get the game back to the way it should be played. All right, real quickly, I want you to touch on it. I mean, I know it's, I don't think it has an expiration date on it yet, but I'm sure you were paying attention to the White Sox LaRusa situation with Yermin Mercedes swinging on three and O and all that sort of stuff. I want to just focus on the manager clubhouse relationship here. You had a guy who's 76 years old who lambasted a 28-year-old rookie by calling him clueless, then did not protect him after the twins threw behind him. If that had happened in your clubhouse, and of course, Joe Girardi would never have done this, but if, if it had happened, would you have gone into the manager's office and said, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, you know, this is where I think I've earned the right to say this. Like I, I played for Tony in Arizona. He was our president there. And of course, Tony's resume speaks for itself, like utmost respect for what he's done in his career. But like we we're just talking about, it's a different game. And one thing that hasn't changed in this game is having your, your teammates back, having the guy that wears the same uniform as him, having his back. And that situation is complete bullshit over there. Like, what did you just say? 
your main is 28 years old as a rookie. Like this guy has grinded his whole life to get in the big leagues. And you're uh, fuck man. I, my head is spinning because this, this, this is something we talked about a lot. Um, first off, let's, let's start with you're, you're pitching a position player. Okay. So at that point, the twins have, have given up. They have conceded the game. They have said, Hey, we no longer think we can win. So we're going to pitch a player that isn't qualified to pitch so we can finish this game and move on to tomorrow. That's basically what they're saying. I'm now a rookie who is having a hell of a year, not only a hell of a year, he's carried their team with the injuries they've had. With the injuries the White Sox have had, the team they're supposed to be, this guy has been a saving grace for the White Sox with the way he's been hitting. He hits a homer off Ostadio, which is, I think, great. Like, he's been another great guy to the big leagues with his path mm-hmm. to the big leagues and what he's done. Tortuga versus the Yerminator. I mean, it's it's great shit, in my opinion. And, yeah, I, I, like, I wish – I don't know if it's safe for viewing years, but uh, CC Sabathia talked about it on his podcast a couple of days ago, and I loved what he had to say. Like, fuck, man, you don't want to do that? Then make a run rule. You don't want to do that? Put a pitcher in that can fucking get guys out. But if you're going to put a position player in – Dude, tee off. Like, we talk about let the kids play, let's have them have fun. If you're not going to put a qualified major league pitcher on the mound, then I think Yerman should do that every single time. And then continuing, yeah, (laughs) this is twofold, man. The Twins, again, you put a position player on the mound, okay, so you're giving up, you quit. You're not going to win this game. That guy gives up a homer, and then you're going to throw at the guy the next day? Because he hit a 3-0 homer on a position player, like that's where these unwritten rules and all this bullshit is is stupid to me. Like you gave up, the twins gave up, and now you're gonna throw at a guy for hitting a homer in a game that you already said we lost. But isn't the biggest issue that Larusa came out and defended the twins' actions uh, a million? For, I don't know how anybody in that clubhouse can look at Tony Larusa and say, "Yo, what happened to us all pulling on the same rope here?" Well, and and. We'll get there, but let's let's rewind. It goes even further than that. Like, let's go to him not knowing the rules in that extra inning game and putting Liam right. Hendricks, your $58 million closer, to run the fucking bases in an extra inning game because he didn't know the rules and didn't know he could put a Brayu back on second base, and they lost that game. And, and that's – you start to question – as a player, you start to question your manager already. Like, hey, man, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, does he know the rules? And then he openly admits, oh, I guess I didn't know that. You know what I mean? And then this happens and like, okay, you don't know the rules. That's fine. Whatever. But ultimately that happens and you don't have a guy's back, especially the bet, maybe not overall, but the best player currently on your team, the guy who is a chance already to be rookie of the year. And again, he's grinded. He's 20. He's not 22. He's not some young kid that just like this guy is grinded to get to the big leagues and have this opportunity to hit homers and show off his talent. And then you're going to side with the team that gave up, put a position player in, and now tried to ultimately hurt. Like, we talk about getting hit in the face. What if he'd have hit him in the face huh? trying to hit him? What if he'd have hit German in the face to retaliate for hitting a homer in a game that they had given up in? And then, like you said, ultimately the manager doesn't have his back. And then the comment for me that, that really pissed me off about it was Lance Lynn stepping up, talking, and then – the, the, the thing, well, Lance, that's why you have a locker and I have an office. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, I, I've dropped a lot of F-bombs in this, but that's how I feel about it. Like, that's what the fuck? Like, Tony, are you, are you that out of touch with the game and, and the fundamental process of 
you wear a White Sox uniform. So anyone in that uniform, you're going to be biased and have their back over anyone else. Even if you look like a dumbass, even if everyone else disagrees with you, at the end of the day, I'm going to be loyal to my team till the death of me. And he wasn't. And for me, that's you lose a team real quick there. And they're a first place team, which is incredible. No question. It's going to be, I think it's going to be the story of the summer to see if it unravels at, at some point. And we do have Lucas Giolito as one of the other six co-hosts of the Chris Rose rotation. So it'll be fascinating moving forward. Um, before we let you go, how are wedding plans going? Sorry. Man. I touch a bad topic. No, not a, not a bad topic. Just I'm glad they have wedding planners. We hired a wedding planner. Um, they've oh. been great for us, but, uh, yeah, man, there's a lot of details that go into this thing. And I try to act like I didn't care about them. But then as the plans start to get told to me, I'm like, hold up. No, no, no. I want this. I want this. I want this. What, so what's on the uh, what's on the I'm um, fighting for list? Um, I'm a big. So we decided we're not going to do a plated dinner. We're not going to do a sit down dinner. I think oh. that kills. I think that kills the vibe of a wedding. So we're doing uh, buffet. No, not even buffet. So we're doing uh, we're doing a New Year's wedding. I don't right. know if we talked about this. We're doing New yeah. Year's wedding. So um, we're kind of getting the best of both worlds. Like Reagan is getting her dream day, all the colors. Like we're doing um, we're doing three tents. We're doing these outdoor tents. Um, so we're going to have a ceremony tent, a reception tent, and then an after party New Year's tent. Got it. And so my stuff I'm fighting for is more in the after party tent and then um, – just a few little details in, in some of the other spaces, but yeah, instead of doing a plated dinner, we're going to do like hors d'oeuvres and appetizers, but of our favorite food. Got it. And so Reagan, of course, this beautiful classy girl that she is, you know, she's wanting these like sliders paired with the beer and tacos and margarita. And I'm like, no, I want Chick-fil-A nuggets. I want little Caesars (laughs) crazy bread. Um, and I have this hot dog place back home. That's my favorite hot dogs. And I want those hot dogs. Okay. And she's like, no, she's like, this is a, Oh, you know, and I'm like, what? Like, this is what I want. This is who I am. This is my representation of me. And these are things that I want. And so, you know, just little things like that. Well, that, okay. That it sounds like a little thing, Arch. Where are where do we sit right now? Because it doesn't sound like we can get the two sides together on this. Are we going to have to bring in an intermediary? Well, no, what we've decided, and I understand, um, and it's, it's going to work out great, is basically the, the, the our wedding is, is in thirds. So Reagan's getting basically say in two thirds, and I'm getting a say in the third. So she's right. getting to handle the ceremony and reception. And then I'm kind of handling the after party New Year's stuff, which is great because at the end of the day, I do, I mean this respectfully, as much as I care about stuff, the day is about about Reagan. Like it's about us and us getting married, but I want that day to be like perfect for her. I want every picture, every scenario. Like I want her to look back at it and be like, yes, when I got married, like this was my dream and it came true. So if she wants white flowers, if she wants hors d'oeuvres, you know, let's do that because I want this to be so much about her and her parents. And I want them to get everything they ever pictured for their daughter and, and for Reagan to have that as a bride and a wife for that day. So I'm, I'm making a fuss about some stuff, but then the day I'm just like, babe, like this is your day. So I want you sliders. It is yeah, whatever it is. You want to sit down and eat you like, let's do it. You know, Hey, just make sure there's enough food. 
I've been to weddings oh, where like, be. yeah, w- let's just make sure that we, we back up the trucks on this one. So what do you, I want to do, uh, what do you think about signature cocktails? I want to do signature cocktails. Like what my favorite two drinks are and what yeah. Reagan's two favorite drinks are. I've seen that a lot at like at uh, milestone birthdays, like a 40th or a 50th. I, I think it's cute. I'm on board. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, so what's the, uh, what's the early leader in the clubhouse on that one for Archie? Ooh. I need to get the official ingredients, but uh, I'll openly admit it. I'm a big fruity alcohol guy. Oh my God. Did we, do we get umbrellas in the drinks too, Arch? Flowers. You know, you got to garnish them with flowers. I, all my drinks always get served in martini glasses. Like I'm always super embarrassed because they bring me this martini glass. I'm like, damn it. Next time, just bring me in a whiskey glass. So I don't look as bad. Dude, like we wouldn't drink a fruity drink at a whiskey glass, but you at least feel better instead of holding up this martini glass. That's pink and has a flower sticking out of it. But I think it's cute. I like Honestly, it, it kind of rolls with, with who I am and, and I like that, but yeah, I'm a big, uh, I like tequila. I'm a big tequila guy, but like tequila, pineapple, tequila, passion fruit. I like, okay. I like a lot of sweetness in my, in my alcohol because I had this talk last night. Maybe I'm immature in my taste buds, but a lot of that shit t- doesn't taste good. Like I, I, I try these drinks from teammates and I try these whiskeys and stuff and I'm like, yeah, like this I know, you gotta terrible. be hardcore for that like, stuff. If, if I'm going to drink, I want it to taste good. And so, yeah, I like, I like the fruity sweet stuff, man. Okay. No, this is, hey, listen, we're not here to judge. This is a judge-free zone, man. <laughs> I'm happy that you got it. Now, there's people listening or yeah. watching this right now and going, I never pegged Archie as a fruity umbrella fruit drink guy, but it's yeah, good. Yeah, that's, that's who I am. We're I'm breaking not the stereotypes. Old, you know, give me, give me some, some whiskey on the rocks. Like, no, yeah. that's, that's not me, man. All right, before we uh, spin the wheel of moderately interesting things and send you on your way, uh, do you notice anything different, Arch? About you? I mean, you got the beard coming in. Yeah, I mean, yes. Like yeah. I I mean, specifically so that Archie Bradley could feel comfortable. The question is, how long is it going to keep going? Well, that's a good like, question. So what does Mama actually, think about it? I, I had never had a beard before quarantine last year. Because I'd always been on TV and I always shaved, right? And so Michelle, we've been married almost 24 years. She's like, why don't you try and grow out a beard? I was like, okay. I gave it a shot. I dropped like 25 pounds. She was like, this is great. Quarantine has been unbelievable. It's like (laughs) I've got a new boyfriend. This is unreal. So she requested after the NFL draft that I grow it. And so here it is. I don't know. As a beard connoisseur, what do we think? It's great. Uh, I mean... Yeah. The, the best advice I always have is you don't shave. Like people always ask, how do you grow your beard? Like what's the best advice? And the advice is don't shave. You have to give your beard time to fully bloom and grow and mature and set itself like into your face. Um, and, and let me see your neck. Are you growing the, you growing it underneath? Just here. So that's another thing. I always encourage people to not shave the neck part. Let the, let the neck, that's where the depth really oh comes God. into the beard but how like when was the last time you tr- even trimmed the stuff at the bottom here the i get it stuff? i try see again covid you know we aren't allowed to have a team barber come in now so typically i'm on a pretty tight schedule you know every 10 12 days i'm getting it trimmed up touched up where now you know i'm probably working on a month right now you know you can see i'll zoom in a little bit right here in the corner if we're working on some white you know we've had We've had yeah. some stressful innings this year. We've had some stressful times. So, <laughs> you know, 
got a few more whites than I want to, but the, the beard, it's a great topic you brought up. Cause I know you, I want to hear your opinion on this. What do I do for the wedding, Chris? Oh gosh. Cause I personally, I personally want to shave. Like when I, the whole thing, whole thing. So hear me out. Let me, let me tell you my story. So I just picture that day being like classic. Like when I look back at those pictures, I want to see who I am and my beard has kind of been a baseball thing and, and I'm, I'm happy for it. It's, it's, it's helped me become popular. It's helped me get deals and it's helped myself kind of become a name on top of my performance, but the beard has kind of taken a life of its own. But I just, I, I think a wedding is, is classic and I want, I want a clean cut, smooth little baby face. But I tell Reagan that she wants the beard. What see, Reagan just, see her behind me there. She just hopped out of the shower. <laughs> Don't worry, everybody's Reagan, just give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Do you want him to keep the how are you, by the way? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> We're just talking wedding plans, and he asked the question: should I keep the beard for the wedding? Oh man. I go back and forth on this a lot. Actually, a lot of the wives were asking me about this yesterday, and I have not known him without the beard. So for me, oh it's hard to yeah, it's hard to imagine him without it. Like he hasn't seen his <laughs> face in like five years, but so, I mean, I've done my share of creeping back in, in time and I've seen some pictures and stuff, but it's and? Hard to, I mean, he's so handsome. He has a cute little oh. baby face too, but I can't be, I mean, either way, I think he's going to look great, but I just think he looks extremely attractive when he has his tight shaved beard, haircut, fresh yes. fade and a suit on. I think I, I was going to suggest let's let's cut the difference. Let's get rid of the the big uh, Duck Dynasty stuff at the bottom. Maybe like tighten a- it up. Yeah. Tighten it up. Go tight here. And I think you, it's going to be an A plus. Like they'll all be looking at Reagan. We know that. But at least people will be like, Archie. Good. Well, I'm afraid yeah. if I if I if I shave for the wedding, I would show up and no one would know who I was. That's, like, that's who, true too. Who is this guy that's up here? Like, where is Archie? You know? That is yeah, true my, too. My friends and family also haven't known him without the beard, so it'd yeah. be like, who, who's the stranger at the end of the aisle? It could be a little too alarming. I think I think if you just tighten tighten it up, go short. You know, I. I like where your head's at, you two. I think he's gonna look great regardless, but well, just... that's I'm gonna look great. I'll be tan, it's gonna be nice. I mean, I'm gonna be fresh, but <laughs> it's determining if I want to be clean shaven fresh or you know, bearded fresh. You know what? We'll we will have our people that watch and listen leave a comment and you know, we could run a little rose no, rotation no. poll. Yeah. Well, just make sure if you if you choose a pre-bearded picture, let me approve it first because <laughs> There's some really good pre-beard pictures and there's also some not so good pre-beard pictures. You know, like you said, we've all gone through phases. We've gained weight, lost weight. And, uh, you know, I've got some I've got some pudgy cheek pre-beard pictures out there that aren't the most flattering of the kid. Very good. Very good. Reagan, it's great seeing you as always. Thanks for for dropping in. This is, uh, I think, two out of three episodes where you popped in. It's just a great great regular occurrence. A regular occurrence. Like a a guest host? You said no? No. I like her way better than I like Yeah, her. that's that's I get that a lot usually. I mean, as you know, you've been you've been married a long time. Usually they are that's why we call them our better half, you know. Absolutely. Oh, there there's a good little face that, uh, <laughs> our editor extraordinaire Robbie Shiraco just popped up. Is that one that you would approve of or not? No, that's I mean it's okay. 
it's it's not the best. Um, there's some better ones. Yeah. The problem is I've I've had the beard so long, all the good ones aren't out there. I need to I need to submit my own pre-beard picture. That's what you'll the... do. You'll text me a photo of you beardless. We'll put it out there and, yes. and we'll let we'll let America decide. How's that sound? Yeah, I like that. All right. We got a bunch of new categories for you up here on the wheel of moderately interesting things. Hot friend, Spin it. job fair, doggy style, tripping, and paper trail. So here we go. Another good spin. Doggy style. Do you have any thoughts of what that might be? Uh, I'm waiting Archie, to see. Archie, what's your With favorite you, breed of dog? Oh, that's easy. Labrador Retriever. Easy. That's good. I'll actually... Uh, so I have a Black Lab Crash. Nice. Um, which I think anyone who keeps up with me, they know about Crash. Um, he's like my best friend. But Crash has recently turned into a dad. <gasps> Congrats, Crash. Crash is... Yeah, Crash is uh so <laughs> So I got Crash in 2013. He's like my best friend. Like he has gone with me at every level. Um there's actually a story in AZ where he 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 got lost. Like he ran away from my house. Um I had some friends in town, they didn't lock the back gate. And labs are smart and he can open the gate and he let himself out. I didn't have them for like two whole days. It made oh. the news in Arizona and this, this old couple in Arizona found them. It's a cool story. I got to bring them to the ballpark. I got to bring crash to the ballpark crash actually was in the commentating booth overlooking me while I pitched in a game. That's really <laughs> cool. There's a picture of crash overlooking the field while I'm on the mound pitching. Um, but I love my dog so much that I want to breed him so I could carry on his bloodline because I think he's so great. So so maybe a little TMI for the viewers or for you. So I apologize, but okay. I have, I have a chocolate lab back home, a female, and I've been waiting for her to come into heat so I can breed crash in my chocolate lab sky and crash is seven. Okay. Seven years old. And he's never participated in making babies. So while we're in spring training, my female comes into heat. And so we had to take Crash to a vet in Florida and have him massaged and have his stuff sent back home to Oklahoma oh, God. No. To, be, to be set up. And it worked. And now we have puppies because of it. <laughs> what do you got on that? Is that too much? Are we going to have to cut that from? No, that's a, that's a keeper right there. Are you kidding me? Um, Reagan, Reagan drove Crash two hours away in Florida to this bet and crash had his day and we sent his stuff back to Oklahoma. And now we have beautiful little puppies because of it. Holy smokes. Talk about a party crash. <laughs> it's phenomenal. All right. <laughs> Boy, am I happy? You know, everybody thought that when they heard doggy style, it was some demented thing. And I was like, Oh, what's your favorite breed of dog? And then you just took us a totally different direction. Way <laughs> different. Arch. Uh, it yeah, was great catching up guy. with you, dude. It really was. I'm, I, yeah. I know it. Ha There's crash. God, that's awesome. That's unbelievable. That. How you guys find that so quickly. It's so hey, Robbie Scirocco is the best around, man. Yeah, Look man. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, glad man. I'm back. That I want to, I want to say something to the fans on here. I'm at a lot of people, you know, 
tweet me, ask me when I was going to be on. Um, I appreciate your guys' patience, not only the fans, but you and Chris and Rob and the guys um, here at the Rose Rotation. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I was hurt and it was, it was a difficult time for me. You know, I wasn't depressed by any means, but I take what I do very seriously. And I was very locked into getting healthy and coming back. And so, um, as I've repeatedly said, the times I've been on here, I love doing this. I love speaking and talking to you guys. I love being able to express myself openly without filters and without hesitation. And so, um, I'm sorry for the delay. I'm sorry for the absence, but the kid is back. We're back in full rotation. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to hear a lot of me and, um, and I'm, I'm glad to be back and I I'm sorry for the absence. You need not apologize. I, the one thing that, that people need to understand about this is when I approached all of you guys, I did it with the understanding that you guys are volunteering your time and people say, well, it's only an hour every three weeks, which is great. But when things, when life gets in the way and what you do for a, your livelihood, you know, you got banged up. It's not easy. And people will say, well, Stephen Brault's been doing it the whole time. Well, Stephen could be a different person than Archie. That's the beautiful thing is that we tried to pick six different people who handle things differently. It doesn't mean one's right and one is wrong. Okay. And I want everybody to hear that from me and understand it. So I don't want you to feel bad. I appreciate that you explained it <clears throat> and um, we're rooting for you. That's yeah. been the best thing about this is that the number of people who say, Hey, I'm a Mets fan, but when Archie Bradley comes in the game, yeah, like I want our team to win, but there's a part of me that wants to root for him because I like him on the rotation. And that I, means I, that we've done well. I'm, I'm the same way. Like uh, I have truly become a fan. Like we're playing the Marlins right now. And like, I think Miguel Rojas has been <laughs> unbelievable, man. Like listening right? to him talk. I mean, I, I, I already was a fan of his game and like liked him as a person before, but um, we talked about it like in, when we started this, but that's what you're getting. You're getting to see more than just the baseball player on, on this. You're getting to see truly who guys are. And, and, and even for me as a guy who's competing, like you build up this um, perception of guys on the field where sometimes you're like, again, excuse my language, mom, you're like, man, fuck that guy. Like that guy, like I can't stand that guy. And then you hear him talk on something like this. And you're like, damn, that guy is actually really cool. Mm -hmm. And and not that Miguel was a guy who I didn't like before, but I've definitely become a huge Miguel Rojas fan. And same thing. I, I love what Stephen Brault's been doing. I love listening to Giolito. Glass now has been one of my favorites. Like, I just think what you have done with this and allowing us to speak and talk is so great for ultimately what we're talking about, like the content people need and, and, and discussing things that players need to have a voice on that isn't controlled by the network. You know, like that's ultimately like, we're getting away from the powerhouse that's controlling us and getting outside that and letting us control our media and our our voice. And, and I appreciate you and I appreciate what you guys are doing. Well, it's our pleasure. It's always a blast. Reagan, good seeing you as always. See you next time. Later, Bye, Reagan. Archie, stay Till next time. Keep dialing it in. I know you're working hard and I'll see you in a few weeks. All right, my friend? All right, sounds good. Chris, everyone again. Glad to be back. Love you guys. Appreciate it. And shout out to Robbie Scirocco, the best editor in the business. We will see you next the time best. on the Chris Rose Rotation, a production of John Boy Media.